thank you for joining us for a sermon from Sojourn North. Uh, good morning. Um, my name is Dave Jolly. I'm here with my wife and our two kids, Greta and Gwen. Uh, we live in Pee Wee Valley. Um, and we did probably two years ago to this week walk through those back doors and started attending here. And this has been our church home for the last couple of years. We've really, really enjoyed being here. Um, we, like I think a lot of you, come here uh, wounded. Um, I know there's a lot of church hurt going around Louisville, and we're no stranger to that in, in our own family. Um, so this has been a really sweet place for us to call home. And uh, it's Father's Day, so we were, we were just talking beforehand that Father's Day and preaching and a lot of things are just like a casserole, you know? Like there's a lot of things going on, and they're all baking together. And sometimes it's a tuna casserole, which is sort of weird. Um, and I, that joke is taken directly from Jessica, so uh, she gets credit for that. Um, and Father's Day is, uh, Father's Day and preaching for me both, happening at the same time right now, are difficult. We come into a church uh, situation, carrying wounds from our fathers, wondering about our relationships with our fathers. And... Um, Sometimes our souls kind of do a big eye roll when it comes to Father's Day. Uh, some of us desire to be fathers and are not yet fathers. Um, lots and lots and lots of ingredients in the casserole. So, um, and, and one step further for me, preaching, I would love to stand here and say that like this has been a 100% joy for me to prepare a sermon and uh, to preach to our church family, um, but this is, this is difficult for me. Uh, on one hand, I love it. I love uh, opening God's Word and encouraging, um, encouraging my brothers and sisters with that, and on the other hand, I'm terrified, uh, and I just want to get that out. I'm a very anxious person. Um, generally in life, my brain is very, very busy. Uh, it's constantly coming up with worst-case scenarios, and what if this happens, and what if that happens, and what are you going to do if somebody says this, and all these things happening together. And even in the middle of this week, I woke up, and I thought to myself, this, is, is this sermon series about wisdom, or is this sermon series to share wisdom? And I was really, like, wrapped around the wheel with that. I didn't know, so I'm just like, I don't even know if I understand the assignment, and... <laughs> It's, it's a mess. Um, a, f- a further glimpse into that is one of my favorite stories to tell. Um, just so that you can know how this complex brain of mine works before we dive into God's Word. Um, I was coming, I was taking a shortcut home, not home, back to the office. I was taking a, none of those things are true. <laughs> <clears throat> I was taking a long cut back to the office because I had to be there for a certain amount of time before I could call it a day. So you didn't want to get back to the office too early where I was working because then you would just be stuck there. So I decided instead of taking the fastest route back to take a long cut, grab a cup of coffee, and see some scenery before I had to sit in my cubicle. And I'm downtown, like I think it's 3rd Street, I'm not positive, but there's a YMCA, you guys probably know right where it is. There's a YMCA, and there's two men walking on the street, on, on the sidewalk towards my vehicle. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm just dreading going back to the office, and I look at the guy on the right, 
And I think, man, that guy looks a lot like Jerry Seinfeld. And then I'm like, oh, it's, my watch is actually off right now. Great. Uh, it's, uh, it's April 3rd, and Seinfeld is here to do a show tonight. And I look closer, and I'm like, that is Jerry Seinfeld. And, and I, I don't know what role Seinfeld played in y'all's lives, but for me, it was like every Thursday night, we were watching Seinfeld, and then, I, and then I went to college, and with all my college friends, we always watched Seinfeld. So he's a big deal to me. And I'm just totally freaking out. And so I roll my window down, and the only thing that I know to do is to shout out the window, and I go, hello! <laughs> and he just keeps walking. He, he doesn't even hear it. And so I roll the window up, and I drive away, and I'm so excited, but I'm also an Enneagram 6, so I'm like, that wasn't Jerry Seinfeld. No way. So I wheel around, I come back, and I find a place to park, and here he comes walking up the sidewalk again. I get out of my truck, and I'm walking right behind him, and I can hear his voice, and it is definitely Jerry Seinfeld. He has to probably talk quiet so people don't know that it's him all the time, but he's like, what's the deal with hot browns? And I'm like, I'm right there in his presence, and I'm like kind of walking, and I'm trying not to be too close to him, and then he stops, and he does one of these because I've gotten too close to him. So I'm like, shoot, I walk past him. Do I get a selfie? What do I do? I get to the corner, and he gets to the corner, and I just look at him, and I say, welcome to Louisville, Mr. Seinfeld, and he looks at me, and he goes, hey, thanks, and he walks off. And if that isn't enough, like one full year later, I hear him on a radio program and he's like, I just wish people would walk up to me and introduce themselves to me. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> so every day at about three o'clock, I go downtown and wait to see if Jerry Seinfeld's going to walk <laughs> so I can introduce myself to him. That's a little bit of what it's like to be me. Overthinking, busy brain, Looking to the future, thinking worst case scenario. Looking into the past, thinking woulda, coulda, shoulda. And that's what brings us <clears throat> to my favorite passage in Scripture, Psalm 131. It's hard to pick a favorite passage of Scripture, but I would say that this is my favorite just because I keep going back to it time and time again. So I'm going to say a quick prayer for us, and then we're going to read Psalm 131 a few times, take a deep breath. And hopefully I can chill out a little bit and enjoy uh, being with you guys this morning. Father in heaven, uh, I come to you this morning uh, with my hands open and my eyes lowered, uh, just hoping that you would be with us this morning, that you would bless our time together, that you would use me uh, to preach your word, to encourage my brothers and sisters and you would use me to preach your word, to help people understand more deeply that you love us. That you would use me uh, to cultivate just an air of freedom, um, a space where we feel safe, a space where we can get to know ourselves in a new way. Um, so I pray that you would use this time that we have together. Uh, to help us, to help us to see your son. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Just going to set a stopwatch really fast. I don't think that this is going to go long or anything, but I don't want it to. And my watch is off, as I said before. 
Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. One last time. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, with the, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So this passage <clears throat> has made its way into my brain, and it's something that I recite to myself. My wife and I recite to one another, and I've slowly introduced our kids to, as we're all feeling anxious about different things that are going on. Um, so the first thing that <clears throat> I think is helpful to understand with this passage is that in verse 1, uh, your, your Bible might say, my eyes are not haughty. So he's, David is basically saying, I am opening my hands, and I'm lowering my head. I'm humbling myself before you, Lord. So he's not thinking about things that are too great and too marvelous for him. He's, his, he doesn't have the superhero poise. His chest is not up and his eyes are not out, but he is in a posture of submission and a posture of humility. I don't occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And that passage, verse 2 there, is what's that saying is, if you don't know what a weaned child is, a lot of people think a weaned child is a nursing baby, but it's actually a baby who has graduated from nursing into solid foods. So it's a baby, it's a, it's a toddler that's with its mama, uh, but it doesn't need her to nurse. Uh, he's just being present with a parent. And then lastly, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So the first thing that we notice here is that there's a, a, a confession of humility, a rejection of pride. Uh, the psalmist David wrote this, and uh, we don't, you know, it's, it's neat to think about, like, the trajectory of David's life and all the things that he experienced and all the things that he did. When did he write this? When did he have this posture? Uh, It seems to me that there was a point in his life where his eyes were too high and his heart was high and he was occupied with things that were too great and too marvelous for him. But he's learned that it is better to be humble before the Lord. Uh, It's better to come to God with open hands and a low heart and a posture of humility. 
David in this psalm and Jesus in Philippians are an example where it says that uh, Jesus does not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead he emptied himself. And the psalmist and Jesus are calling us to lower our eyes, open our hands, and humble our hearts. The Lord opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Uh, there's a time for me in my life, there will be a time again, I'm sure, that I am occupied with things that are too great and too marvelous for me. So what we do in our house is we remind each other constantly, uh, hey, this is too great and too marvelous for you. Or Lee will say to me, you're trying to be in two places at the same time and you just can't do that. Uh, and as much as I hate to admit it, it's true. You can't be in two places at the same time. Uh, you can't project what, how you would respond uh, to someone onto somebody else. Like they're their own person and you're your own person. If you have to give bad news, you might have to just give bad news. And, you know, whoever you're giving the bad news to is going to do their thing with it. Um, so as we do that in our family and as we're reminded, uh, and I reminded my own self-talk, like, hey, man, you need to relax. You need to take a deep breath. These things, they're too great. They're too marvelous for you. I also notice in this passage that the psalmist has calmed and quieted his soul. And this tells me something very important about my soul. It tells me that my soul has needs. It tells me that oftentimes, like a baby, those needs of my soul are going to come screaming in the middle of the night. It tells me that, like a baby, my soul needs to be cared for. Maybe my soul in the dark of night is going to create a dream that sheds light on something that I'm dealing with in life. Now, I want to be careful when I say that because maybe your dream is just a dream. <laughs> Uh, maybe you're just building a go-kart with your ex-landlord. Uh, but maybe a dream is your soul trying to tell you that something's going on and you need to express some needs that your soul has. Maybe find somebody in your life that you can share those things with, someone that you can talk to. It's difficult for me to read this passage and not consider that there is a child that lives inside of me and that there's a child that lives inside of you. And, you know, just trying to be real and trying to be myself, um, I know that I can make people laugh. Uh, it's a great joy of mine to make people laugh. Uh, sometimes I can make complete strangers laugh, but that's come with a lot of times of putting my foot in my mouth. Um, but there is a child that lives inside of me, and he's fragile. He's a, He's a boy, and he has wounds, and he has things that have happened to him as a result of sins of others, and I imagine that many of you are like that as well, and over the years you've had to build a wall. Maybe that wall is a sense of humor, or maybe that wall is a sense of aggression where you walk in the room and everybody knows that you're going to get your way. Um, maybe that wall is just retreating and staying away. Or perhaps there's weapons atop that wall where you can just fire arrows to keep people away from you. But when I read this, I know that there is a child inside of me that needs to be cared for. And on Father's Day, I know that we need to care not only for the children in our congregation and the children in our communities, but the children that live in our hearts. Um, 
maybe it's time to shift a little bit of how we communicate to ourselves and use that self-talk. I'm reminded of another favorite passage of mine where um, I think it would probably be, make me sound more theologian-esque if I knew what passage it was, but it's just God looking at us as a father with compassion. Um, he looks at us and he knows our frame. He knows that we're made of dust and he has compassion on us. Um, so lastly, as I've spent time in these three verses over the years, I, I think that verse 3 feels a little bit out of place. David starts by addressing the Lord when he says, Oh Lord, my heart, etc. Um, but then he ends and he's addressing Israel uh, to trust the Lord now and forevermore. I, I may feel differently about this someday, but today I feel like what David is doing here is this is the advice of the master giving um, I'm sorry, this is the master giving advice to the students. He's saying, you see me and I'm telling you that I have made my soul like a weaned child with its mother. And that may seem impressive to you because for me, my soul does not feel like a weaned child with its mother. My my soul oftentimes feels like an angry toddler that needs a snack and a nap. Um, But I, I think this last line is returning us to the rudimentary to say, trust in the Lord Take a deep breath and trust in the Lord. And eventually, someday, because God works very, very slowly, your soul will be calm and quiet like a weaned child with its mother. Right now, you might be like an anxious baby that needs to nurse. Or you might be like an angry toddler that needs a nap. But that is where I find the anxiety and the busy brainness comes into play. Um, it's thinking about coming to the Lord, bringing all the things that I bring to the table, the embarrassing things, the things I'm ashamed of, the things that I have left undone. And that creates anxiety in me because I feel like I have to come to the Lord as somebody that I am not. Um, But in fact, God would like for me to come to him just with my hands open and my head lowered and just say, here I am, Lord. This is, this is who I am. Because when you bring yourself to the table, even the, the things that you're embarrassed about and the things that you have, you know, the things that we've done and the things that we've left undone, when you bring those things to the table, Jesus Christ is there with the bread and the juice and a place to wash your feet and a place to embrace you as a brother. And I think that he would say very, very similar things that Paul says to us in Romans. I think he would say, who's going to condemn you? I died for you. And more than that, I was raised, and I've been sitting at the right hand of God. I am interceding for you. So who's going to separate you from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Jesus is certain that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, nor rulers, or things present, or things to come, powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Him. Thanks again for listening. For more information, you can visit sojournorth.com.